So, Berto, we just watched Mandalorian Season 2. We are nerds. Let's talk about it. What do you say? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor, and I'm an OG Star Wars person because I actually saw the original Star Wars Episode 1, Episode 4, A New Hope, in the theaters in 1977 at the age of six, and I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> but I knew that I loved TIE Fighters and X-Wings, and I just I came home uh, and just drew X-Wings and TIE Fighters all day long. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I'm a professional rock appraiser, and I also have a long-standing love of Star Wars. Um, the, my first conscious experience, or I should say the first memory, explicit memory that I have, was me going to watch Empire Strikes Back in the theater with my dad on the day he broke up with his uh, girlfriend at the time. But, uh, as my dad has explained to me numerous times, he had already taken me to see Star Wars, the first one, multiple times in the theater. But you don't remember so, you, were too, but, you were you were like three years old at the time or something. Yeah, so I don't have explicit memories of that, but I I take their word for it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this episode is not going to be about psychology or Seattle at all. <laughs> we are just two nerds who frequently talk about uh, Star Wars, and there's a sliver of the listeners who appreciate it, and so this is this is for y'all. And also, this is going to spoil the entire Mandalorian two-season run. And so, uh, if you don't... Alert. Yeah. Although, it'd be hard not to have it spoiled online anyway at this point, because everyone is nerdgasming all over the place. Uh, so, yeah. rating Birdo out of 10. How many Birdos? For the season two or the whole series? Uh, ten, uh, season two. Well, I guess okay, both, because yeah. you gave season one like a five or a six or something. I think I did six, yeah. I, I think it was six. Uh, I got to go back and revisit, but um, yeah. So season one, I gave it a six or something close to that. My main problem, and people are like, how could you? So I, I just thought the dialogue needed beefing up. It was a little too amateurish in my feeling. And there were some actors who actually still bother me in season two that were subpar. But overall, I, I still thought it was, it was cool. I enjoyed a lot of it. The action scenes were great. Season two, on the other hand, I mean, it, I agree with you, it started slow, but I'm going to go ahead, because of the, oh, all the goodness and everything, I'm, I'm going to give it an 8, because like, there's so much fun stuff in it, and yeah, it's got a lot of little imperfection stuff, but it's, I mean, it's still a TV show. Um, the TV show bar, though, is, is very high these days, so I can't fully discount stuff. Uh, that said, I thought it was a vast improvement over the first one, the, the scripts were tighter, the uh, dialogue was better, and although there were still some actors that I don't, I'm not crazy about, uh, there were a lot more unbalanced, great scenes, and just not just the action. The action was still consistent. In fact, it got better. Like there's some amazing action scenes, but uh, yeah, I thoroughly entertained. Yeah, season one I loved the first watch. After rewatching it a little bit, I didn't watch the whole thing over again, but I watched a little bits. So I realized, oh, yeah, I can see the problems, but I, I kind of consider a rating to be a, the first watching, you know, mm -hmm. how you felt when sure. you watch it. Anytime you go back and rewatch something, there's going to be differences. And so, although sometimes I'll adjust things one way or the other. But uh, anyway, I gave it a 9 out of 10 first season. Second season, I gave a 9 out of 10 as well. But as I was just thinking about it, I thought there's – so few things in life that I can just say, you know what? I just loved it. <laughs> yeah. And 
although it wasn't like a life altering experience, which sometimes I consider a 10 out of 10 to be reserved for, I just want to reward very, (laughs) very good art making on television, especially with so many crappy products that are put out these days and so many disappointments, sure. especially in the nerd world and especially in the Star Wars world. <laughs> and and I was just thinking like, well, you know, if I was to take, you know, demote it to a nine out of 10, why would it not be a 10 out of 10? And I, I was just trying to think, well, the little bit that I didn't like about this season is really small. So, uh, I, you know, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. 10. Now, yeah. it, what is it as life-changing as... A Clockwork Orange for me, or some of the you know uh, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Uh, no, but in terms of the satisfaction, especially on the heels of Episode Nine, my God, uh, you know, ten out of ten for sure. Rotten Tomatoes, it gets the Episode Nine bump. <laughs> yeah, Rep, Rotten Tomatoes uh, critics score, Berto, just for season two. What do you think? Oh, Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it. A 95. Wow, 96. You were very close. Oh. Audience audience score. Oh, the audience loves it. 98. No, lower. 86. Wow. Which is lower than the audience score for uh, season one, which is... What? Yeah, it's just bizarre. That is is surprising to me because uh, from the comments online, I would have imagined the opposite. Right. All right, let's get into my notes here on what I liked, and then later we'll get into what, what I didn't like. Of course, going again, spoilers, by the way, this is a season that can absolutely be spoiled. If you plan on watching it, do not listen to the rest of this. Just go watch season two and come back here. It's just eight episodes. It doesn't take long to watch. So do that now. We are about to spoil the last five minutes of the last episode. Luke Skywalker was what do you think what are your thoughts about him showing up yeah so when um i saw the the little baby yoda meditating at the at the temple and he was reaching out through the force for some jedi i knew well i guess i hoped and slash knew it was like because who else was it gonna be i'm like it's gotta be luke and then but i was like are they gonna show they can't show old luke are they gonna do the cg and so and then i sort of put it out of my mind because i like to be surprised so I tried not to think about it much. But certainly, as that last episode starts building, I'm like, oh my God, they can't beat these robots, can they? <gasps> they can't beat the robots. They're going to need some help. Who's going to help them? Who's going to help them? And so when I saw the little X-Wing fighter, I was like, oh my God, the little child in me was so excited. And then the green lights have our, ah! Yeah, it was that right there was so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So I had a different sort of pathway, which is they said uh, a Jedi, you need to take him to a Jedi. You know, a Jedi will hear him and, and come to him. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, well, who would it be? And I didn't really give yeah. it much thought. And then later on, I heard a bunch of people freaking out about that last episode. I didn't realize it was the last episode. I thought there were 10 oh. episodes Mandalorian, but of course there's eight each season. So as we sat down to watch episode eight, I thought, well, a lot of people are freaking out about this episode, but you know, it's not the last episode. So I, I, so I was thinking I like, well, if people are freaking out, it must be about 
some beloved character. That's the only reason why. Or maybe Groku dies or something. Like oh. I was, I was trying to think of like what could happen. And as this, as the episode was progressing, I thought like, oh, maybe. And then I, I started talking to Stacy out because we were watching it together. I'm just like, you know, who, who would it be? And I, I said, well, I guess it, you know, who's alive right now? Because this is right after episode six, right? And I was like, well, of course, Luke is around, but they wouldn't bring Luke. That's like over the top. The, you know, the, Man- <laughs> the Mandalorian feels too small for Luke to show up. And then I thought, well, it could be Leia, actually. And Stacy's like, Leia? Like, she's not a Jedi. And I'm like, well, actually, in she's the... with the Force. Yeah, and in the books, she's just as powerful as Luke is with Force mm-hmm. powers and lightsabers and stuff. And, of course, they've done away with that storyline, but... It wouldn't be strange to think about Leia at this point having power to show up, maybe with other people, who knows. But she's not exactly a Jedi. And then I thought, well... She couldn't train him very well. I guess she could based on the new movies, but... Right. And then I thought, well, it could be Mace Windu, I was thinking, because we never actually saw Mace Windu die. We just saw him get... Oh, really? Yeah, we just see him get thrown out of the oh. the emperor's office, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he just gets thrown off. And it's always been a question, did Mace Windu did Mace live? Survive? Now, he probably didn't, because if he did, then we, we would have seen, seen him at some point. But but it, I, I was thinking, well, it's got to be Mace Windu, because Luke and Leia, that's just, that's over the top. So, and then I was thinking, well, there are other Jedi who are around, because I watch the Clone Wars and Rebels and all these other shows, and there's always these, you know, the, yeah. some Jedi that is hidden somewhere and hiding. <laughs> and I was like, you know, maybe one of those people will show up. But I thought, well, that, no one would be freaking out about some random Rebels uh, yeah. Jedi that would show up. And then when the X-Wing shows up, yeah, I... I th- I still was like, it can't be Luke. It just can't be. <laughs> and then the green lightsaber, and I was like, still, what? It, can't, it can't be Luke. It just can't be. And then he, he looked a little short, and so I thought, well, it could uh, be. It's a little it, short for a stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah, I thought it could be Leia, right? Uh-huh. And then when I saw the belt buckle, that's when oh. I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's Luke. Luke. Yeah, I was freaking out. Uh, <sighs> CGI Luke, Birdo, what'd you think? I mean, it's a mix. I I feel like there were moments that I was like, okay, that works. But there were moments where it didn't work. And and it was sort of disappointing because they they have so much, uh, they have so many great examples nowadays of machine learning getting people's faces really, really right. And, and I thought, well, for this show, they'll pull out all the stops. They already did a really close job with Leia and, and they're getting better and better. But there are still some pretty uncanny moments. And so overall, that that moment I was a little conflicted about. Yeah, someone actually did a side-by-side of the show along with their own deepfake. Yeah. So yeah, there's people who have deepfake software. Yeah. That's not very complicated. You just right. have to dial in a few things. And it's like auto-tuning for visuals, right? Yep. And the the deep fake looked better, not like yeah. massively better, but better. but definitely better. So yeah. so yeah, I 
the CGI I thought was was pretty bad, and especially in five or ten years from now, we're going to look back yeah, at that and go totally. like, "That is." And you know, you said Leia was pretty good, but actually, when you rewatch the Leia CG, it's not that good. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that good to begin with. But the thing about Leia is that she's on screen. F- her face is on screen for probably a total of like six seconds at the most or something. Mm, I see. This one, they really linger. And I thought yeah. they shouldn't have done that. They should have given, I'm guessing it's a budgetary thing or who knows, or just a technology thing. Who cares? The point is, is that they could have directed this scene in a way that they didn't really linger on the face that long. Totally. They could have had one, one scene where he says, the line, a line, and that they spent all their budget, all their time on, get it as good as possible, and then the rest is like show them from behind, show them in the shadow, you know, all these right. things. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was a that little was weird, but when I was watching it, I did not effing I care. I know. I was I, the same. I was the same. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, because it. I I guess I hadn't thought, okay, what would Luke look like? But of course, that's what he looked like. This is right after episode six. And he's more of a badass because he's, you know, gotten stronger. Yeah. (laughs) But he had, you know, he had a very different look in episode six. He had that very calm, very, you know, very combed hair. Yeah. And yeah, I, I thought it was terrible CG, but I did not care at all and you know it's a small show so what are you gonna do it's just like you know it's a story you don't have to be we all know that it's not real just sort of hand yourself over you know well it was the same feeling i had actually at the end of rogue one yeah where i i guess you're right i mean when i think back it's not like leia didn't look also a little weird but i also didn't care i was like oh you know they had me they had me so so the overall feeling i had was that's Luke Skywalker, and he saved us all. But the critic in me was certainly, like, poking holes at the CG. <laughs> yeah. And also, the great thing about this scene, of course, for a lot of the uh, fans, is that it vindicates Luke from Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. And for me, well, what are your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, we never really got to see Luke at the height of his powers, right. you know? I mean, you could argue that in episode—is it eight? Which is the one where he does the the standoff with? Yeah, eight. Uh, yeah. yeah, there is a moment of great power there shown. You know, in fact, maybe even well, definitely greater power because he can like project his body and all these things. However, we definitely had seen him sort of like in this grumpy mode and like dishevelly and didn't really show off. Like, really, this is what you became. Uh, this was the equivalent of the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One. Where that scene in Rogue One, where you see Darth Vader just plowing through, you're like, yeah, that's why we fear Darth Vader. This is why we root for Luke Skywalker. And we were like, oh my gosh. This is the first chance to see the payoff of the discipline and listening to Obi and listening to Yoda. Because at the end of Return, the one thing we didn't see is him being a full-on you know, acrobatic badass because that was not the journey. But this shows off that, like, because of all that hard work, now he's an acrobatic badass. Right. Acrobatic meaning, like, he's just, like, so coordinated. So, you know, it's like the Gamorrean guard scene times 11, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, uh, and, I, so and I totally, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but to me, in episode eight, I had enough of a, an imagination mm-hmm. to, to imagine that, well, in the preceding 30 years from episode right. six to episode eight... 
yeah, Luke kicked butt, but he right. has seen some stuff between then and now, and now right. he no longer is that person anymore, and it is unexpected, but I can imagine, I can fill in the gaps. Sure. So yeah. when I saw this scene, I loved it, of course, but at the same time, I wasn't like, finally, they erased Ryan Johnson's terrible episode eight. To me, <laughs> I liked episode eight. Looking back, especially in watching episode nine, I can see now why episode eight is is bad in some ways. It's not even close to episode nine, of course. And if you're curious as to what we mean by episode nine, we're talking about the movies. Whenever we say just episode nine, it's sort of like saying Cher. You don't need to say Cher's last name. You just say Cher. Does she have a last name? I don't know. But uh, so, so yeah, I and I and I was also kind of happy for those other nerds who hated episode eight and were finally given that I, I felt like, okay, maybe they'll shut up now kind of a thing. Um, and then of course, I don't know if they would though, right? Because they, well, they're not going to so, shut up about how episode eight sucks, but they're going to no, shut no. up about how the Disney universe isn't ruining star Wars for everybody. Cause of course this is the same Disney that created episode eight and nine. They also created Mandalorian. You know what I mean? That's right. Although it is a little puzzling to me because like the moments in this show where I'm like, oh, I can just imagine the same people complain. Because like there's a team of women that are really badasses and they're kicking ass. They're going to complain about that because right. I thought they're the same kind of toxic people. But but I guess when it comes just, to, you know, the episode eight thing, I think the things that I didn't like, I don't know if they overlap with the things that that grouping didn't like. Because for me, it was really all about... Uh, I mean, I did, to be fair, I didn't like, I didn't like to see Luke in the jaded state. And I guess because they didn't earn it, like they didn't actually show me how he got to be that way. So it was an unrecognizable Luke Skywalker. And I I hadn't seen why. And they never really showed us why. They showed us briefly, like, well, his student went bad. Eh, really? That was it, man. It's not very resilient. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but for me, I filled in those gaps. I think yeah. that if you had shown us the progression there, it would have, if you would have given more expositional past scenes, flashbacks, it it, it might have helped. But anyway, well, it's. Did you ever see? Sorry, did you ever see the original Mission Impossible movie and the original show of, in the seventies? Yeah. Okay, so the original show I loved. One of my favorite things of all time. When I saw the Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise. They made the good guy from the TV show the bad guy. And it wasn't like the actor, but playing a different character. It was the character and the actor. And so I was so incensed. I was like, how dare you? The good guy from the TV series is the bad guy. And they didn't earn it. They just made him the bad guy. That's an extreme, but that's sort of how I felt about Luke becoming this grump. I was like, why? You didn't earn this? But anyways... So R2-D2, uh, when he showed up, I thought, uh, at first I was like, oh, R2 always shows up. Then I was like, well, of course he'd be there because it's yeah. it's Luke. What other mech droid is he going to bring with him? He's going to bring R2 with him. So, of course. That's right. All right. So other things that I liked about this, and this is what I loved about the first season, was that these are little stories. You know, we're not talking about galactic level issues here. Yeah, It touches on it, kind of, but they're little stories, especially if you just look at some of the episodes where uh, Mando or Din 
will just be on a planet and there's just this little mission that they have to do. And or getting a mother with some eggs from one planet <laughs> to to the other planet, I, and Grogu keeps eating the eggs. <laughs> right to me, uh, it, I really get tired of these. And, and you could say Episode Nine is like the most extreme, uh, uh, you know, violator of this uh, premise. <laughs> that in Episode Nine, it was like they needed to include everything, and it needed to be the entire universe, and so many, you know, and and so yeah. I really love stories that can limit themselves. And because I find that when you have a bad script or a bad writer, then you're, you write like a seven-year-old. And then this this thing, <laughs> you know, and a lot of comic books are like this too, right? Like, you know, what's Galactoid or the Silver Surfer uh, heralds what thing that comes and eats entire planets and stuff? And it's just like, come on. Like, what happened to Superman just helping someone who's falling off of a building like why does it always have to be the just this humongously boring thing you know it just gets so out of control and you can't relate to it anymore and it just feels stupid so anyway i really like that about uh season two um i also kind of like the darkness of this season when moff gideon tries to kill himself that was that was dark for a disney production when the the ship blows up fully destroyed well that was hilarious too right because that that ship went through so many partial destructions and every time we can rebuild it we got the technology and that time it was like yeah i think that one's done <laughs> yeah yeah i i rewatched that scene this morning and they really went for it with the special <laughs> effects they were just like look Make sure you blow this thing <laughs> to smithereens. There can't be any any question that yeah. it's over. Yeah, and I like that. I like that you don't get precious about everything. People can right. die. Things can blow up. You can you know you yeah. can lose it. When Bill Burr kills that officer, I, yeah. as we were watching that scene, I I was like, oh, he's he's getting angry, but. You know, this is Disney. He's not going to shoot him cold right, blood. Right. But then he just off. pulls out his gun and shoots him. And I thought, yeah. oh, man, you know, this is going to get ugly. They're in the middle of a, yeah. of a uh, <laughs> you know, empire stronghold. When even Mando was shocked, he's like, uh, what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but again, they, they paid that off really well because... You're thinking, well, how are they going to get out of there? Because they got to go back through the hangar. But yeah. then you realize, oh, there's the windows, of course. And I'm like, oh, but that's going to get kind of hairy. And then, of course, you have these two sharpshooters that were ready to go, which made sense. And yeah. they were they were helping them out. And so none of it felt cheap. It felt like, oh, no, this is bad. Oh, okay, well, now they got a little bit of weight. And that, no. that leads me to another compliment that I'll give the writers and directors is the fight scenes. That the fight to create a good – and I've always marveled at the Clone Wars about this as well, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Every week you have another episode and you have to have at least one fight scene, right? Right. Maybe three fight scenes. To mm-hmm. chore- to write a good fight scene, to have a buildup, to choreograph it, to have the CG work out, to have the storyboard worked out. To, you know, and not have, have it be repetitive every single time. Right. To not have it be repetitive because yeah. – you know, and of course, that's what episode nine does. In order to make it not repetitive, they just invent new powers 
so yeah, that they right. don't have to repeat the old things. They just say, well, how about she can do this now? How about she can do that now? How about Palpatine right. can just come back? You know, instead of working with what you got yeah. and saying, how can we actually use our creative talent to create something entertaining, even though we don't break the entire system, you know? And so, so this season did that really well. Imagine if in the series Kung Fu or, you know, like every episode he has some new power. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize my pinky can do the death touch now. <laughs> right. There was a show that I used to watch on reruns as a kid called Rat Patrol, and it was about World War II in Africa. And oh. it was just like two or three guys in a Jeep that would go on missions. And every week they had to live within normal reality mm -hmm. of of Africa in World uh -huh. War II. You know, you had grenades and guns and and a Jeep, and you couldn't just invent new things as new a New lasers and... <laughs> yeah. And so uh, season two does, does that really well. Also, the fight scenes were uh, very rarely boring. There was only one fight scene when I thought, okay, this is getting a little long, and that was at the temple where Boba Fett shows up. Oh, sure. Yeah, although I still... You know, I think what it is is they tastefully up the ante they did you know because they introduced the dark saber at the end of the last season and it's like ooh, what's that but it wasn't like this magical thing that ends the worlds right it was right. just a like a lightsaber yeah that now you have to contend with because even though it can't it still can't cut through your armor it can come close and it can it's more dangerous and and then the robots well the robots weren't like a 20 foot tall robot that can stomp you it was a better fighter that you can't you're not as strong as and there's a whole bunch of them and only at the end and so like it was the right progression of powers rather than the es exponential escalation <laughs> right they introduced these badass droids for the empire but it takes them a long time to power up yep and there's very few of them it's you, you can't yeah. just there's not just an assembly line of these things and yeah. and they in, in and that's just smart writing i consider the other thing I loved about this season was there were many, many nerd moments. And I actually had to watch YouTube videos to point out all the <laughs> nerd moments <laughs> that I didn't pick up on. And, a lot, you know, we call this fan service, but they were not obvious. There were moments when I was like, oh, that's fan service. You know, Luke showing up, for example. So, oh, that's fan service. Right. But, but I'm like, but it's earned. And it doesn't feel manufactured. Yep. Because, of course, if there is a Force-sensitive creature in the world then, of course, Luke would be the one who that yeah. creature should go to. I mean, it just, and, and it just makes sense. And so... By the way, even the, even the R2-D2 moment, like, A, you're yeah. right. Who would it be? Well, it'd be R2-D2. Second, they didn't actually do the episode one thing, which is like, ooh, who's that? Oh, I call him R2-D2. Did you write that down? Write it down. Remember it. Right. And... The, and all, all the interaction is just him. We don't know what was said. He just goes, doo, 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 and Baby Yoda kind of goes, mm. you know, it was great. Like, it was subtle. I mean, subtle as in it wasn't overdone, you know, right. and it was earned. Right. <laughs> uh, when Horatio Sands, he plays Mithril, he points at this transporter having big value on the black market. Do you remember this moment? There, Wait, wh a, who was Mithril? Which character? He was, was the that? blue guy, the 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 guy that's uh, he was the bounty in the very first. I, yeah, episode. yeah, I remember now. Okay, so he points to this transporter and he's like, "Do you know how much value that has in the black market?" Well, <laughs> what that's a reference to is that transporter 
was a, an extremely rare vehicle that you could buy in the 80s. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it, w- it was a very rare item in the oh. Star Wars eBay universe where it's like thousands of dollars now because they're so rare. Oh, nice. And it's very nice famous. Reference. It's very famous for that. And so he points to that. And, you know, so you don't, it, 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 as a casual viewer, you would just, oh, he's just commenting on how something, you know, really matters. Was but, that one of the, the Jabba transporters or no? No, this was when they were in the uh the No, I remember base. the scene. Oh. Yeah, I remember the scene. I'm just wondering, in the original, was it like it an was Empire a storm, transporter? Yeah, it was a Stormtrooper storm. oh, transporter, okay, okay. yeah. Okay. And then, of course, Bib Fortuna shows up. <laughs> but again, they He's don't... gain gained a few pounds. <laughs> yeah, but they don't, re- they don't just... They don't dwell on it that long. They no. they show the outer scene yeah. of yeah. Jabba's palace, and then they just quickly go to Bib Fortuna sitting on the throne, and <laughs> and it's just yeah. like oh, right away, just literally in two seconds, you know exactly what's happening, and you don't have to be a fan of the show to appreciate the scene. Yeah, you could have imagined this long dialogue. Bib, I didn't expect you here. Oh, after Jabba died, I was elected. And he's like, right. we don't need it. We right. don't need it. Yeah, we just go, it makes total sense. He was kind of like second, second in command. In command. Yeah. He was a sleazebag. He wasn't uh, on the transporters. Uh, so, of course, you know, he, yeah. would, he would be there. And uh, also Bo-Katan. So you don't watch the Clone Wars, the cartoon. No, but no. for Bo-Katan to show up in the, you know, she's a Mandalorian. Is she the, the uh, Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, she's Starbuck, okay. Katie Sackoff, from yeah. Portland, Oregon, by the way, not too far from us. And for her to show up, again, to a casual viewer like Stacy or you, I guess, yeah. Yeah. you're just like, okay, Mandalorian, interesting. But to me, <laughs> watching The Clone Wars, she's like a major character, and for her oh. to show up, it just... It just feels right because that's this is it makes sense that she would. She didn't up. do the voice, did she? In the she did. She did oh, she did. Yeah, yeah. Oh. She she does a lot of voice acting actually. From so that's double. Like yeah, that's the voice, and it's the character become real. Yeah, and if you're a Battlestar oh, Galactica fan, of course, sure. Starbuck <laughs> being on screen yeah. in any any nerd yeah. production, you're yeah, just like yeah. yay. Um, of oh, course, so uh, Boba Fett showing up. And Slave One showing up. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that was so fun. Yeah. Uh, Again, it, it's that writing uh, that line between absurd and not absurd, right? And they teased it in the first season, which is so well done because they didn't... They could have blown their their deck of cards really easily, and they kept it really tight until the actual moment of reveal. You know? Right. So... Uh, it it felt like it made sense. Um, Tuscan Raiders having got to met, meet them a little bit more. Also, when uh, Cobb Vanth played by Timothy Oliphant in the first couple episodes, that was fun. He's I writing love him too. Yeah, he's great. He's a great actor. He is riding on a what looks to be a pod racer engine, and it looks like it could be Anakin's pod racer engine which is another kind of callback in that way. And then, of course, Ahsoka showing up, which is even better so for Ahsoka, me. So Ahsoka, I, I, so again, I don't watch, but I know I know of her. So I was like, oh, that's the, I didn't, I was like, that's the Jedi in one of those cartoons. <laughs> right. So for those who don't know, Ahsoka is 
essentially the lead, one of the lead characters in the Clone Wars. You have uh-huh. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you have Anakin Skywalker, and you have Ahsoka. So Obi-Wan is Anakin's master, and Anakin is Ahsoka's master. And oh. the three of them are in virtually every episode, almost every episode. That's and so cool. you, you could argue that Ahsoka is our stand-in. She, oh. She's the person who is uh, kind of a fish out of water. Sure. She's the one who has to prove herself. She's the one who has to overcome her fears because Obi-Wan, of course, oh. is sort of beyond that. And Anakin is is you know, kind of beyond that as well. Anakin already is like right. really, really good. And Ahsoka is still struggling with that. And the story going into the rebels and it, like her, her story, you could argue that star Wars, if you watch all the stuff, Ahsoka has the most rich, longest story. Really? Arc. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is how much of the, um, like in those cartoons, how much of it do they spend with Anakin going bad or is it, he's not really there yet. Is he, they do not do that. I mean, not bad, but they definitely explore the notion of the balance in the force. They really mm-hmm. go into detail on that a lot more okay. in some kind I'm of annoying ways. I'm going to have yeah. to watch. Yeah, there there what? are some Mace Windu is great and and then the other thing about the Clone Wars is great is they go into the lives of the clones. You get to know like individual clone yeah. uh, officers and and soldiers, which is kind of cool. So is the Clone Wars I there's two cartoons, right? There's the Clone Wars and there's Rebels? or So there's the Clone Wars, the cartoon movie, uh-huh. oh. and then there's the Clone Wars, the series, the series which is the okay. same same characters, essentially. And is it the CGI-looking stuff? No. Well, it's it's definitely uh, cartoony, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's I just a remember different... one, one, I remember one cartoon that had, like, more of the, it was like a CG production versus another one that was more drawn. I, I don't know. Yeah, the Clone Wars movie is a, seems a little bit more drawn, and okay. the cartoon feels a little bit more computer. Okay. Although I'm sure they're both computer. The yeah. the Rebels is is af. Let's see. Yeah, the Rebels is after episode. No, it's it's between episode three and four. Uh, oh, the Clone okay. Wars. The Clone Wars is in between episode two and three. Mm. So right, right, Anakin, Anakin is about still. to go bad, and then Rebels is after you know as the buildup of the Rebel Alliance, essentially. I see. Right. So if you watch all that, and then you see Ahsoka on the real screen, like you know, yeah. a human version, or sorry, a, a, a flesh and blood version. Yeah. Then it's got to be another nerd nerd moment for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I always wondered if Ahsoka would show up in a live action thing, yeah. because her character would be really hard to create in flesh and blood because she has that mm-hmm. that weird head thing, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, they'll probably never do that because it'd be so impossible. You know, it'd be one thing to have, you know, Calamari that you don't really focus on. They, they, just, yeah. they just say it's a trap and that's it. But to have like a main character that you follow around, I thought, well, right. they can't do that because her head thing looks so weird. But they really pulled it off they in this. It. They yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a thing that I really loved in the second to last episode. Was it second to last? The one where um, they bring Bill Burr back and they're yeah. having to break into the... Yeah. Because there's that moment when uh, they're being chased by the rebels, but the rebels are probably fighting for their territory because the Empire's taken over their land. Right? So, But we're, right. you know, we're meant to feel like they're the bad guys in the moment. And they're... They're disguised as Empire, running in an Empire vehicle, 
and they get saved by the empire and cheered by the stormtroopers. And in the moment, all of us are going, yes. And they, they pulled it off really brilliantly because it was us all cheering for the empire momentarily. <laughs> right. Yeah. I noticed that too in the moment. I thought, wait a second, why are we cheering? And, <laughs> but it puts you into the shoes of the average soldier on the empire yeah. that just like any army, just like any war, Every regular soldier is just a human trying to survive, and they don't know the political forces or they don't have any power over the political force. The other great thing about Ahsoka is that she says, the force, you don't know about the force? And he's like, you know, his powers, Groku's powers? Oh, yeah, it's called the Force. It's created by all living things. And when she said that, I was like, yes. Nice. Yes. Um, they still talked about MC count, right? Yeah, or well, MD we'll get we'll get to that in a, when I talk about my dislikes. Yeah. That was that's my <laughs> one of my main things. But anyway, uh, Groku is great. I loved that Groku is now out of the storyline because, of course, I love Groku. I love He's Baby so Yoda. Yeah, uh, it, they integrated him into the storyline really well. It wasn't annoying, but I was like, <laughs> okay. Of when when Groku when I was like oh I bet you if they do Mandalorian in the future Groku isn't gonna isn't gonna be there and I thought that's great because get out while you're ahead before yeah. before Groku becomes Scrappy Doo or whatever and then he's talking hey Mando I yeah. can help out right let me in let me in yeah or it where or it becomes like. You know, this, the TV show 24, season five, where, you know... <laughs> Grogu's gone missing again. <laughs> yeah, it just gets it just gets ridiculous. At some point, you just got to, like, get away from that 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 common uh, plot of, like, Grogu is, you know, anyway. And they resisted the temptation. I was thinking they were going to do it, where at the end, he was going to say his first words, and they were going to be, Mando! <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, episode nine would have done that. George Lucas would have done that. Like it would have been, been, I think I've been saying Groku, but it's Grogu. Grogu, Grogu. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, the puppet was perfect throughout the series to pull it off an actual, you know, flesh and blood puppet with emotion and personality and cuteness is, was really quite a feat. So, you know, all the designers and the, the puppet uh, you know, engineers and the people who ran the puppet. It was just amazing. Well, and, and the fact is that it, it kept getting cuter and or it never got old. Like, it was weird because yeah. you would think it's like after a while, you're like, all right, yes, baby, Yoda's cute. But instead, I found myself always like, oh, it's a new thing he's doing. Oh, that's okay. And even when he's being bad, like eating eggs, you're like, oh, so right. adorable. <laughs> so that was another dark thing that they allowed into the show where – it wasn't just eating eggs. It was eating the not only a mother's children, but the main mission was trying to get her and her babies to this other thing. And every that time we turn extinct. around, yeah, they're going extinct. And I mean, that is that's some dark stuff right that's there. That's dark. That's dark. Um, I loved the X-wing cops scene. What did you think? Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, that I loved. So there was a moment in the first season that I didn't like that everyone seemed to love. And it was when the two biker, the two speed, um, speeder yeah. bikers yeah, were yeah. talking. And everyone loved it because it was so funny. But it actually took me out of the suspension of disbelief because their way of dialoguing, the, their dialect and the way the things they were saying, they tried to make it contemporaneous, like uh, uh, like us humans in the twenty year 2020 or so, 2019, whatever it was. And so I was like, well, that's not how Star Wars talks. 
they wouldn't be saying stuff like that. So you're making it's almost like a Family Guy episode of Star Wars, not an, a Star Wars moment. And I didn't like that. But the X-wing fighters one, I loved because they they actually didn't do that. I still felt like these were rebel fighters, but they were having sort of like an actual conversation about things. And then when they showed up, they were like, "Yeah, I guess they would be sort of like." The cops, but they weren't acting like human cops. I, I, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I was totally surprised of how they wrote that scene. It, it's just a sign of good writing and people who know the universe to be able to essentially invent a brand new thing, but yeah. to make it make absolute sense. Of course, the... The New Republic is now in charge, and the rebels are now the yeah. the mainstream army the guys. Cops, the police, yeah. <laughs> and so now they're in charge, and now they're the cops, and they're going to fly X-Wings. And yeah. they're going to talk like X-Wing pilots, but they're also going to be the the bad guys. They're they're the guys pulling over Mando because he doesn't have his papers, you know? <laughs> papers, please. Yeah, and they're like... And and they weren't pulling any punches. They're just like, we got a we got a criminal. Let's go get him. And the way they shot the X wings, and it's just actually also a, uh, a a marvel at Lucas and his team back in 1975, 1976, when they were designing all the things that they could make such a cool ass spaceship like the X wing, and it. Just because it's the same one, they they took the same design, same one from so episode iconic. four, five, and six, and it's when those when those wings separate, they're like, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, we gotta we got someone on our, we gotta get ready for an attack, and you see those those wings open up, and you're just like, oh, it just looks so cool. Anyway, oh oh, oh speaking of which, the moment in the last episode where they launch the Tie Fighters, yeah, and kind of like reminiscent of Battlestar, right? Like that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, both instances make no sense because it's like, why do you need like a launch tube? But anyway, right. <laughs> um, the art at the end of every episode, uh, I've loved from the beginning. Um, but let's take a break and we get back. Let's continue nerding out. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. Hey, deserving listeners. As you know, I'm constantly recommending that people go to therapy. We all need therapy from time to time. One of the options available that is definitely worth checking out is betterhelp.com. So if you're looking for a therapist, I would give it a try by going to betterhelp.com slash Kirk. Make sure you use the slash Kirk because you get 10% off your first month and it helps us out. I get a lot of emails from you saying that you're looking for a therapist. As you watch these videos, I know many of you have been motivated to find your own therapist, but I know it can be really hard to find a good one to work with. Like I said, one of the options available to try is betterhelp.com slash Kirk. And you should know that this service is available to clients worldwide, which is amazing. I've been told that you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message with your counselor anytime. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And I've been told that it's often less expensive than in-person therapy. So go to betterhelp.com slash Kirk to get 10% off your first month of therapy today. All right, we're back from the break. So, Berto, if X-Wing Cops were to get every listener to become a patron of the podcast, what would they sound like? Uh, we're coming up on the shit now. Uh, okay, it looks like they're pulling over. Yep, they're pulling over by that asteroid. All right, I'm just going to go right beside them here. 
So listen, the reason we pulled you over is because, well, first of all, you were flying without your headlights on. Uh, we have a recommendation, sir. I, I think you will find in the planet, uh, the second moon of the planet Jar Jar Far, uh, you will find that there is a place called psychologyinseattle.com, and uh, y- there are some creatures that will eventually evolve to what eventually will be called humans, uh, <laughs> but they can help you if you become patron of their podcast. So uh, I just please turn on your headlights. It's it's fine. I get that you have six heads, sir, but that doesn't matter. Like you still need to be able to see where you're going. Oh, you can see in the infrared and the ultraviolet. Well, fine, but still, please do us a favor. Turn them on, and be safe out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot it would be. Uh, it's in the past. Um, <laughs> did you you must have heard the TPS reports line? So I didn't like that. I don't like it when they make pop culture references because it's Star Wars. Why? Are they making a joke about office space? Yeah. And I get it. Uh, Everyone I I got in an argument with disagrees. But for me, I'm sitting there watching never in episode. Well, maybe I'm wrong because maybe I wasn't, since I wasn't an adult, maybe there were pop culture references. But as far as I can tell, in Star Wars 4 through 6, at least 4 and 5, I don't remember anything about our modern current world at all. No, no. Uh, well, I think maybe the issue for you, Berto, is that this is a joke, TPS reports. You probably, since Office Space came out 21 years ago, you've probably made a TPS report once a week since that time. <laughs> and so yes. to you, Not- to, to hear a TPS report joke in a, mo- in a TV show, you're just like, it's very obvious to you. To me, I don't, I don't make, in fact... I think you reintroduced me to the T- TPS report joke. I think, you know, I'd obviously seen Office Space a bunch of times, but then at some point, I don't know, like eight years ago, you said TPS report, and I'm like, what's that? You're like, oh, you know, from Office Space. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and obviously to someone like Stacy, she doesn't, she just, it didn't even mean anything to her. And so to, sure. to, to my ears, I get about one TPS report a year, and it's probably from you. And so from me, <laughs> for me to hear that, it doesn't. It doesn't really ring out. In it fact, doesn't it doesn't bother you. <laughs> it took me a, a few seconds to even realize. I was like, "Wait, did he just say? T- he just did say T. That's funny, you know." But to you, <laughs> it's like a joke you <laughs> say me, all the time. Well, to me, it's the equivalent of like the imperial uh, commander that they were talking to in the in the mess hall, going like, uh, "You know what I like to do with rebels? I like to." cook them and eat them with a fine Chianti and uh, some fava beans. Right, because you, like you make that joke all the time as well. Right. It's, yeah, so basically to me it was, it was like chalk, uh, nails on a chalkboard. And, and the other thing is, so like I love Office Space. You know, I think that's fantastic. And by the way, Easter egg, there is, if anyone sees my profile on Facebook and they want to do some snooping, there is a job listing on there that that I'm supposedly, that's my job. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, who knows? But it might or may not have something to do with Office Space. So, But to see it in Star Wars, I'm like, no, don't make any jokes, no references. You don't, I don't exist. We don't exist. This is nothing. Don't say it. Now, why do they speak English? Okay, fine, fine. But my hypocrisy goes only so far. So... I loved that there were lots of non non white actors. You had Paul Sun Hung Lee as the X Wing pilot. He's a Korean American. He actually plays the father in Kim's Convenience, which is a pretty funny show. You have Ming Na Wen, who played Fennec Shand. She was one of the uh, bounty hunters, Chinese American. 
So we have some. So you have some good Asian characters in there. <laughs> of course, you got Pedro Pascal, who uh, plays Mandalorian. He's Chilean. You That's have awesome. Tamara mm-hmm. uh, Morrison as Boba Fett. He's Maori and and white. You have so good. Mercedes uh, Vernan, Vernado as Casca Reeves, African American woman. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito plays Moff Gideon, and he's black and Italian. You have Omid Abtahi, who plays Dr. Pershing, who is Iranian. You have John Leguzamo, who is from your neck of the woods in Bogota. You have Carl Weathers, who is black. You have Horatio Sands, who is also Chilean. And you have Rosaria Dawson, plays Rosario Dawson, plays the Socotano. She is Cuban, Puerto Rican. By the way, I was so happy to see Rosario Dawson because I love her. So She's awesome to me, I, <laughs> I was not as excited. I mean, I I love her, and I, I I'm glad she is Ahsoka. But for some reason, even though the voice actress is white, I always imagined her to be Asian. I don't know why. So mm. in my head, if you would have said, "Okay, what what race of a character would?" Of course, the the character is not human. So. The character is some other race, but to me, I always just imagined an, imagine, imagined an Asian person, but, you know, it's just me. Um, and, uh, yeah, there were just a handful of, of white characters, and so, you know, it's just, just good to see. Do, do you know that I didn't know that John Leguizamo, I'm a huge fan, always loved him. I didn't know he was from Bogota. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have such a love for him. His Netflix special about oh my god about uh, Latino um, about Latin history is is really amazing. If you haven't watched it, but the thing that I always remember him from is in high school I saw an HBO special of him doing a one man show, and I just was I just remember just being transported uh, from. Uh, yeah. You know the world that he lived in, and the comedy and the 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 heart that was in this one man show was just amazing. Anyway, um, he introduced uh, or this show introduced a lot of spinoffs. You know, it's clear that season two they're like, we as Disney mm-hmm. are going to set up a bunch of spinoffs, but they did yeah. it without making it uh, obvious to me anyway. Um, the book of Boba Fett, which is coming out. At which I'm excited to watch. That should be very cool. Uh, Ahsoka is having a show uh, nice. where she's hunting Grand Admiral Thrawn, which if you're familiar with the books and the video games, uh, Thrawn is a very interesting character that um, we should all be interested in seeing on the big or on the TV show. Rangers of the New Republic, which is set during the timeline of The Mandalorian after episode six. And it is, I believe, like... Um, like sheriffs of the New Republic. And then, of course, Mandalorian Season 3, I think. Yeah, I hope they make another... Um, like, you know, they can take it in a different direction. But... Right. And I think it's going to focus on the Bo-Katan, Din storyline, if that makes any sense. Sure. Um, and But they have other shows coming out, too, which I'm looking forward to. You have Andor, which the Rogue One guy, the, the main guy oh. of Rogue One... We're going to see his life before he dies in Rogue One. Uh, The showrunner is Tony Gilroy, who uh, worked on Rogue One, but also Tony Gilroy worked on the screenplays of the Bourne series and also wrote and directed Michael Clayton, which had a lot of acclaim. There's an Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming out with 
uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, by the way. Huh. So I think this is going to occur during during the Clone Wars, right? Nice. Uh, showrunner Joby Harold, which worries me because it's the producer writer of King Arthur Legend of the Sword, which was one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. I have not had the pleasure. And then there's a few cartoons, The Bad Batch, which is produced, executive producer David Dave Filoni, which worked on Mandalorian and Clone Wars. You have The Acolyte, which is a live action created by uh, Leslie Headland, who is the showrunner creator of Russian Doll. So that's going to be interesting if you ever saw mm. that TV show. Yeah. Um, and this is going to happen uh, like 200 years before episode four. So like 150 years before episode one. And it's going to be like uh, a dark sort of thing. There's also a Lando show. We don't know who's going to play Lando. Donald Glover has not confirmed that he's going to play it. But Justin Simeon of Dear White People is going to be the showrunner. Then you have Visions, which is an anime. And then you have a droid story, which is going to be a cartoon. So there's mm-hmm. like 10 or 11 Disney Plus Star Wars television shows that are coming out, which... I'm looking forward to. I'm sure some of them are going to be uh, not so great, but as long as one of them is great, then you know I'm, I'm happy about it. Hmm. Um, just to uh, close here, what we what what we didn't like, yeah, the M count thing. Doctor Pershing says that, that you know we didn't we didn't get enough blood with M count. So of course this is referring to midi chlorians, which I don't hmm. appreciate. Which nope. essentially validates that whole idea, yep. um, and uh, somehow just ruins the whole thing again because it's like this idea that people are born with the force, which of course had had is not an idea that was present in episode four, five, and six. Anyone could tap into the force if they were trained well, if they had the right teacher. If they had the right, you know, you got the sense that Luke wasn't strong with the force because of his dad, but he was strong with the force because he had a lot of passion. At least that was my interpretation was that Luke had passion. He wanted to, he had adventure in his heart. He was ambitious and strong and had potential. And it was just a part of his character that he was quote unquote strong with the force. It wasn't just, he didn't have magical creatures in his blood. Yeah, I mean, even even if there had been some sort of like familial thing, just I didn't appreciate making it an explicit like biological element, and and they could undo it by the way without without just uh, pretending like it didn't happen. Uh, there could be realizations that happen where they're like, "Oh, metachlorians? No, no, no. We found out through Doctor Hillibert's research." That that was a that was a dead end. Like it turns out that because look at Jedi such and such. Like you know they they could actually write themselves out of that mess, um, and just open it up. Which I thought was what Ryan, what's his name, was doing. Right. With you know showing us that, you know, anyone can cook. Right. Well, the thing that I thought we were all deciding was that we were just going to ignore the M word altogether. Sure. That. We were just going to forget that that ever happened and just say, let's just let's just forget that that word was ever mentioned. Um, But I also thought because they show the clones, which look like Snoke's. Right. And I thought, huh, I mean, maybe through these series, they'll explore that further, which seems likely. 
because that is what they're building towards, right? They're saying, yep. well, we're now after six and we're building towards the first order, which is going to have Snoke and Palpatine. And I thought, well, maybe episode nine will be a little less annoying if they give us a satisfying backstory. Okay, fine. It, you know, it's, it's from M count blood, but yeah. maybe, maybe episode nine won't be as bad if they flesh that out, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the Force Temple, you know, on, on that planet because it is absolutely just magic. It's just like religion. It, it, may, it takes it away from the way the Force felt in Episode 4, 5, and 6 and makes it into essentially a, a religion and makes it into some magical force, makes it into some some wizard thing, you know, and... Now it's all over the place in the Clone Wars cartoons. This this magic and wizards and temples. I mean, there's a there's a planet that is like the center of the universe that possesses the most force power of all the world, all the universe, all the galaxy. And Yoda goes there and interacts with like ghosts and stuff. And it's it's really dumb. But the Clone Wars, you know, they had to make several episodes, and so there's some episodes where it's just like, eh. but. I didn't, you know, I sort of thought, well, I thought in The Mandalorian, we're going to keep this grounded. I thought we were going to sort of not entertain those silly ideas. So I didn't like the Force Temple thing. That I, There's another way they could have done that scene where uh, Ahsoka just like, you know, bonds with Grogu and says, let's reach out in the Force together. And they just sit there and they they reach out. And then and then she says, oh, I I, I feel in the Force that Grogu touched a Jedi. And so it's your job to find that Jedi, but I don't know where that Jedi is and neither does Grogu. You know, you could have done it without the temple. You know, the temple was a plot device that was supposed to call Luke. You needed to have yeah. something that called Luke. And and maybe the stormtroopers are coming as Ahsoka and Grogu are bonding and maybe there's a force bubble around them. It's not a shimmering blue magical wizard force, but it's like some kind of force. And you could have, I don't know, you just could have written it differently. And uh, what did you think of the force temple? I see what you're saying. Uh, It didn't personally bother me because as far as the stretching of the thing goes, eh, it's like, well, you know, I know they meditate. I know that they can reach out through the force. Now, is there a, blue protective barrier that we've seen before no not really but i i don't know i i was okay i did i I do agree though that the the sequence was a bit long and sort of a little redundant like he went to try to grab him what three times yeah so that was a bit redundant um i also thought that the even though i i saw better tactics in general from stormtroopers uh and they were trying to use like their their big gun to mow them down and things like that. I I still thought like, man, they, they continue to let themselves be picked off so easily. Like they're going uphill. <laughs> they're just walking uphill. Uh, but overall, I, I wasn't super bothered by it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, this one wasn't a big dislike, but I didn't like that he took off his helmet in the Empire stronghold and then put it back on and then took it off later. It would have been a much bigger payoff if the only time this season he took off the helmet was with Grogu at the very end. Mm. But we just saw in the previous episode 
that he took off his helmet. (laughs) Now, you could argue, well, he only took off his helmet because he wanted to save Grogu. That was his main thing, right? But I just felt like there was a different way you could have written that as well so that it could have been an even bigger payoff. Because, when he, again, when he takes off his helmet for Grogu in the final scene, I'm... I felt like as a viewer, we're all pretty comfortable with him taking off yeah. his helmet by this point. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I actually, I didn't think about that because I was okay with, uh, let me put it this way. I never like got the whole thing. Like, why can't you take your helmet? I They explain it loosely like, well, it's just the way, it's the way. But, you know, it's such a silly way that I'm like, eh, whatever. But at the same time, it is the the, the thing in the show. So you're right, like to to show us that finally he does it because he's he has no choice to go in and get the thing. Plus, actually, no. Now I'm now I'm actually annoyed because I actually for, forgot that I was pissed off. Like they have a face scanner for no reason other than to scan a face. Because certainly, if they're gonna scan his face, some information is gonna come up, and they're gonna know. Hey, wait, wait. This isn't a stormtrooper, or this isn't, or even worse. Oh, he's in our database, right? Like. I didn't get that at all. Wait, they just scan his face to make sure. So uh, droids can't interact with it? Is that it? No, like, it, I, no they, 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 they talked about this. They said, and it is dumb, but the, the one detail to add to what you're saying is they scanned your face to see if you were a bad guy to them. You know? so, and they don't have it. I guess he's not in the records at all. But yeah. Because they've never seen his face. Right. They've never seen his okay. face. Yeah. But, they, but he's also not in the records. Why is he extracting yeah. information? Right. How do, how does that work? Anyone yeah. with a key, right. I, it would think it'd be the opposite. Like we don't recognize your face, dude. Yeah. Why are you extracting information from here? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, but, but so now I totally agree with you that that was a waste because it it would have been the big payoff at the end. We we'll finally see his face. Imagine right. actually if we had never seen his face, even in the first season or anything. Right. We finally see his face, and it's to say bye to Grogu. Right. So uh, two last things. One is I want to congratulate John Favreau for writing because he wrote most of this season and has yeah. been essentially the leader. He directed some episodes of both Great seasons. Stuff. He created him and Dave Filoni, by the way, really created something special that it's hard, as we all know. Some of the greats, J.J. Abrams, considered one of the best filmmakers of our time, made one of the worst, if not the, I'm just going to say it, he made he made a thing worse than the Christmas special in episode nine. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> well, it's at least on par with it. And No, I still, I still like episode one worse, though, because it, it sets off a chain of events that is... So I'm just going to congratulate John Favreau (laughs) for making something just really great. And he obviously put a lot of thought and consulted with a lot of people and just, just did a really great job. And, and it's, it's just nice to see. And he, and, and he's had quite a career. He should be heralded as in the same breath as, you know, some of the great filmmakers of all time uh, with, with what he has done with, with that sort of thing. But final question, Berto. So by episode uh, seven, and particularly by the time we hear in episode eight about Luke and Ben, uh, Ben Solo, Grogu is no longer around, presumably. Right? 
But I mean, they live. Oh, I see. You're saying he might something bad might have happened to him. Right. So, yeah. did Ben kill Grogu? Ooh, because that because Luke takes Grogu to he his Grogu. and and Grogu is one of those Yoda creatures that lives hundreds of years. Grogu is like fifty years, years old or something, and so no, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Because <laughs> they're gonna need to leapfrog past the episode nine business. And still give us something. And so Grogu's still alive. Okay. Who knows? But but yeah, I want him to be alive. Why? That's a waste, you know? Yeah. By the way, did I ever tell you that when, when I was watching Empire, uh, remember I was five, right? And then subsequently after when I rewatched it, when I saw Yoda and he says, I'm when 900 years you be, let's see, blah, blah. I always thought, I assumed that he was a human and it's just that that's how what humans in this world look yeah. like when they got that old. Yeah, I remember thinking that. <laughs> I remember thinking that too. And I think it was kind of implied that it, he what his race didn't look like that, or at least the race that he came from didn't look like that when they were born. That <laughs> that the, his that his race looked a lot more less wrinkly, you know, when they were young. Right. Yeah. And part of it is because as a little kid, you know. Anyone above 10 looks old, let alone 30, 40, 50, whatever, right? So to me, when I watched the movies, Ben looked, okay, he's like an old, old person, right? And then the emperor, oh, that's even more crusty and old. But Yoda is like really, really old. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for that nerd episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. 